And nobody knows with another person what a person's going through. Yep. We look at a person, we see somebody whose behavior is a certain thing, and we assume they've got it all together. But you never know what's going on exactly. inside, right? Yes. I'm Sonny Dolphiette, host of the Afternoon Show here on Family Life, and just have been so blessed to hear how the Lord is working in so many lives where people thought maybe their lives were over. They were in very dark places, but then God pulled them to the sunny side. You may have seen this man before, um, either at uh, Sight and Sound in Lancaster. Did I say it right? Lancaster. You did. Okay. You did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or even on TV or on the stage here at Family Life. It is an honor to have Rodney Coe with us. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. How are you? I am truly blessed and was blessed by your testimony, how God has been in your life in a way that can only be God. Well, so let's start in the beginning. Who is Rodney Coe? Well, let's see. I am... uh, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm an actor, I'm a director. So I grew up in Greenfield, Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, farm boy, and um, yeah, just, you know, working on the farm, doing what we do, and uh, very, very rural. And my father was, uh, um, uh, of course, you know, he had a full-time job and farming because that's that's how that normally goes, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, farmers work harder than about anybody I know. And... Um, I was, let's see, I would say I was in fifth grade, and um, I had developed epilepsy. Mm. And so when I was in fifth grade, I just started having these moments where I just kind of went away. They weren't um, fall-down, shake-type seizures. They were uh, petit mal or petit mal. So they were very, it was just stillness, like everything just sort of stopped like for a, a while. Like a space out Yeah, type. exactly. Okay. So the, and the time before, the time during, and then the time after, I had no memory Mm. of those moments. So um, my grades suddenly tanked. Um, I was in fifth grade, and uh, they just suddenly tanked, and we're like, something's up. And so they took me in to get tested, and had to be tested, let's see, three times. And on the third time, I had one during the test. And um, they were like, ah, Mm. now we've got something. Mm -hmm. It was temporal lobe epilepsy. And um, so from that point on, I was on medication and uh, in special need classes, um, special ed classes, because my my memory during the day, I was even on meds, I was having multiple seizures a day. Mm -hmm. And so that would affect, you know, your your grades, all of that. Grew up in a very rural community. You know, you get the uh, the bus. The school district had a short bus, and which the special ed kids and you know you you need grant money and all those things like that to get those things. Mm-hmm. And so, so I helped with that. So I was required to ride the short bus there for a little while. And boy, junior high, yeah, <laughs> kids can be brutal. Oh man. yeah, yep. they sure can. So mm. that didn't do a lot for my confidence. But mm. um, then I get into high school. I had this teacher. Uh, named Mr. Rhodes. He he was right across the hall from the special ed class, my my uh, my main class there. And um, I was walking back, and he was he had his door wide open, and he had a little stage in the corner of his classroom. So he's doing this um, this monologue, Ipamanandas, um, <laughs> the name of this character. Mm-hmm. And so he's and I was just so riveted. I saw it through, the, and I stopped. I came back. I looked, and I had to. It was like I was driven. So I literally snuck in the class and sat on the floor behind all the desk so I could watch and listen to this because it was just captivating. And I was like, what is this? And then I had a seizure. Mm. And when I 
came back, all these people, all my peers are walking past me and I'm just sitting on the floor. And they're like, what? And then uh, Mr. Rhodes came up and said, "Uh, can I help you? And I was like, no, I'm so sorry. And I was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And so I ran across the hall, um, grabbed my book bag, all my stuff, and then went on to my next class. And um, I was just so, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Mm. But what I didn't know is after that, Mr. Rhodes went and talked to my special ed teacher and said, what's his story? And she told him and he said, uh, you know, maybe I should have him audition. She said, well, he'll have problems memorizing. Um, that's, that's part of the, the problem. That's why he's in these classes and his grades are suffering and things like that. And he said, well, you know, there's smaller parts too. So he had me audition and uh, I got a role and lo and behold, who would know only the Lord would know, right? That um, during that time frame, if I was in rehearsal, working on memorization, um, if I was singing and if I was acting during that time frame, I was seizure free. So from that, I started getting larger roles and uh, I kind of started to find myself, I guess you could say, or at least I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Now, I grew up, mind you, in a Christian household, so I knew a lot about the Lord, but I, I didn't trust him yet because I had a lot of questions, you know. Also, when I was in high school, I had a friend who, um, who took his own life, hmm. and he told me in the locker that he was going to do that, and uh, I just thought he was talking crazy and being silly, and that was on a f- Friday, and then that Monday, he didn't come to school, and that Sunday, he had... He had taken his own life, um, and I blame myself. I was learning all about the Lord, but I didn't trust him yet, you know? And uh, my dad was, at that time, was a little rough around the edges, you know? Yeah, it wasn't an easy growing up experience for him, and he was doing the best he could, working a job. Actually, at that point, in high school, he was working two jobs, plus we had the farm. So he was just exhausted all the time. So just trying to find my identity any place that I could. Then Mr. Rhodes reaches out to a couple colleges because it's now my senior year. And um, I'm doing pretty well with theater. Like, it's going okay, well. You're in special ed. Yeah. And they're like, well, this kid's not going to be able to learn too much. And mm-hmm. okay, now he's in theater. Now he's starting to blossom. Now, college? Yeah. College? So, <laughs> so there, was a, there was this college called uh, the University. Well, it's still there. University of Indianapolis. And they had a program for people with learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to spend a certain amount of time each day in these classes and um, in, a, in an extended study hall. And they also had this weird program, and I attribute this to the epilepsy lifting. Um, there is um, Dr. Cook and Dr. Odell were the names of these two doctors who had this, this massive grant. And they, they had this, uh, it's called tonic neck reflex syndrome. Uh, Sounds very strange, but essentially it means as a kid, the likelihood that you didn't crawl was probably really high. And I was like, as a matter of fact, I didn't crawl as a kid because I was born uh, with hip dysplasia. So I had to wear the Forrest Gump braces, you know, there for a while. And uh, they're like, well, as part of your scholarship, if you're going to go to school here with this program, you're going to have to crawl every day, half an hour. (laughs) <laughs> um, and you have to crawl a certain way because we believe it will reprogram 
the way the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere works. And it, it's effective with dyslexia, epilepsy, and they had amazing results. And the school offered me a full ride scholarship wow. between music and theater. Amen. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll crawl. Sure. <laughs> and I get to act. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I went for it. And um, I got there and, oh, man, I hated that crawling. Mm. It was, I was like, this is just weird. Mm-hmm. And at the end of a year, it just went away. The epilepsy just stopped. My grades went from C's and D's to suddenly, like, I... I, I'd spent all that time in special ed learning all these ways to learn different things. So now with everything functioning well, plus a different skill set, I was doing great. <laughs> My grades just like, you know, shot through the roof. Amen. It was great. So from that school, once the epilepsy lifted, then I went to Ball State University and majored in musical theater. While I was there, had an, uh, me and two other guys, my, my best buds, and uh, one of them... Uh, similar to in high school, told my other buddy and I that, uh, I don't know how to say it. He didn't say he was going to take his own life, but he essentially said goodbye. Mm. And we just thought he was being weird. Yeah. And that following week, he didn't come to school and we found out why he had taken his own life. And during this, you weren't really clear-minded because you started drinking too in in college, right? Yeah. So during exactly during high school, um, at the end, I started to to drink a little bit. It's funny. I call it soul cocaine. Hmm. <laughs> you know, you do whatever you can to numb the uh, the fears, yeah. the the pain. I guess you could call it. And nobody knows with another person what a person's going through. Yep. We look at a person, we see somebody whose behavior is a certain thing, and we assume they've got it all together. But you never know what's going on exactly. inside, right? Yes. So um, I'm in college. That Those first two years, I was drinking a lot then. Got into uh, Ball State, w- was continuing to drink, and was drinking, um, well, specifically after my friend took his life. I certainly up the ante, and I started um, trying different different substances. You mm-hmm. know, started smoking weed as well. Um, just a lot of poor life choices. In the midst of all of that, I don't know how to say it other than I feel like I was being pursued by the hound of heaven. Mm. I can look back now and think of all these friends mm. who reached out to me, who tried to uh, help in some way, and I just didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I get done with uh, college, um, and I moved to New York City. After I had, I got there and I got work right away, I was very fortunate in that. I got a national tour, um, and then I a national tour in theater. Yeah, yes. yeah. Sorry, um, national tour in theater. Yeah, uh, and that was great. I was like, you know, and it was a large role, and I was I felt like I was on top of the world. Now, mind you, when I was alone with myself, I couldn't stand me because. <laughs> All that stuff, all that self-doubt, all the blame, all the things you hear when you're on the bus, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It becomes a tape that even when you try and destroy the tape, it's like somebody else plugs it in if, mm. if a hit hits, you know what I mean? If something takes you out a bit. So yeah, I get, the, I get there and this guy that I had directed, my first professional directing uh, right out of college, I run into him and I was like, hey, so so what's the story? And how you doing? He's like, I'm good. He said, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I'm not gay anymore. I was like, you what? 
because in the theater world, that's not how. Yeah, it's normally how, the other way yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, he he dropped something on me that just kind of blew my mind. And he said, "Well, you know, I just realized just because I might struggle with something, that doesn't mean that's my identity." Hmm. And he's like, "And I don't I don't think that's who I am." Hmm. And he said, "So I started like digging into the Word, and the Lord got a hold of my heart." And he said, "And things have changed." And my, even my desires have changed. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause I'd never, that I'd never heard that. And you're saying that as a Christian. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's not how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, So he knew your struggle, though. Oh, totally. And he hadn't seen you in years, Mm-mm. but he still knew your struggle. Yeah, he could read it on me. Well, yeah. You know? yeah. And so we, uh, he finally gets me to go to this party, and it was a party with his church, and they were having a 70s costume party. <laughs> and uh, got there, and man, it was like all these actors and singers and dancers. It was sort of like the art sector, because our schedule is different than other folks. So um, we would meet separately like once i once i uh, gave my life to the lord here but um i i saw all these people and there nobody was drinking hmm. nobody was doing any drugs nobody was high there was no back room to this part none of that stuff just real real folks who had real joy and i recognized it and i was like whatever that is i want it because yes. i know i don't have it and um so i started going to a bible study they invited me to and I gave my life to the Lord. Hmm. I got baptized in a clawfoot bat- bathtub in uh, <laughs> Washington Heights. It was like 1230, because once I made the decision, I was like, let's do it. Let's do it now. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to do that now. <laughs> but man, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus, no yes. turning back. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. And um, now, in the midst of all of that, this is where... This is where it kind of gets crazy. Mm. Um, so I'm seeing this girl uh, who goes to the church, and we had gone out on a date, and I dropped her off at her place, and um, then I came home. And um, but man, the struggle was still real. Mm. I might have been, I might have surrendered my life and it accepted the saving grace of Jesus, but my heart had not yet been transformed. And I was hurting for certain. Hmm. So I'm coming home and um, I stopped off at a bar because I was dying to have a drink. But I didn't want to drink while I was with this girl because that's not what good Christian folks do, you know. So I stop off at this bar and I had around three gin and tonics in a pretty short period of time. And I left and I was comfortably numb. I just tried to get myself to a place where I was numb and stay there as long as I could. Now it's like 2 a.m. I'm coming home. In New York City. In New York City. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm at a, uh, 107th in Amsterdam, and I'm about a block from my apartment at this point. And I'm walking home, and I got rolled. I had um, three guys jump me, one of whom had a, a little, like a kid's t-ball metal baseball bat, mm. and um, cracked me in the back of the head. And once I was down, boot stomped me and uh, broke my jaw, broke my cheek. I had to rebuild part of my face, run my eye socket. And um, 
there was brain damage as well. And so. people hear that and they may think, well, what did you do in New York City or any place in this world? Mm. It's just being, unfortunately, in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah, with the wrong people who yeah. are just looking for someone to victimize. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think back to the one person that they caught, the one of the three that they caught, he was high as a kite when they got him. Mm. He had blood on him. He had my wallet and my keys. And he, it was his second aggravated assault at that point. And they gave him, I think it was three years and he served a year and a half. Wow. But during that time frame, he went through rehab. And I think, who am I to judge him hmm. when I was struggling with the same thing? Hmm. You give me another six months unchecked by the Lord, where could I have ended up? Wow. Because I'm sure his mom, his dad, yes. and him never dreamed that he would do the things that he was doing. Praying for their baby, just like people were praying for you. And and fortunately, there was someone there when you were injured, right? Absolutely. So I I didn't know how I got from point A to point B. And uh, when I came to, I was leaning against my apartment door. And um, there was a policeman there. And um, as when I'm sort of coming, the, the first memory was the old lady who lived above us in the apartment above us, who was always with her broom, like hitting the floor, telling us to keep our music <laughs> down at 10 o'clock. For whatever reason, she was just coming home from her son's place at around 2.15 a.m. Wow. And um, so however I got from point A to point B, <laughs> here I am. And um, she sees me and I reached out for her and she said, I can't, AIDS baby, AIDS. Because she'd mm-hmm. been in New York in the 80s. Yeah. And I I was, you know, a bloody beaten mess. Mm. And she wasn't going to take any risk. She also knew I was an actor. So I'm sure there were probably assumptions on yeah. her part, which were not correct. But she called the police and the police came and the ambulance came and they brought out the, I call them the mugging books. And they've got like this two big books and they just sort of flip through and, you know, point to one, point to two, point to three. And it's silhouettes and they go through this whole book and they end up getting a description because at that point I was nonverbal. I couldn't physically speak. Mm. And I wasn't able to complete a full sentence for six months because of the brain damage. This is the darkest part of your life, by the way. This is you you can't remember things. You can't put sentences together. And theater is forget about theater. Oh, it was gone. (laughs) Yes, there was there was none of it. I didn't leave my apartment for three months Mm. because I was afraid. And when I finally did, I, you know, I was constantly looking over my shoulder. I was just constantly afraid. But it was one of my buddies came over and he was like, you're leaving and today's the day. And he's like, and we'll go with you. And I got outside and there was two other guys, two of my buddies that we all just sort of walked around and they took me out to eat. And and at that point, you know, my jaw had had been wired shut and I was eating through a straw there Mm -hmm. for a while until all that. So the wires and stuff had all come out and I could have got back out sooner, but I just wasn't ready in my head. You know, I was scared. But, um, Yeah, acting was out of the question. It just wasn't going to happen. How was your prayer life at this time? Um, At this point, it's incredible. I I would say I... When you don't have a choice but to depend on them, you're just walking with them. And it's constant. And when people ask and say, you know, like, that must have been incredibly hard that time. In a weird way, I look back at that time with longing because I felt so close with him because I depended on him 
from point A to point B, for food, for ev everything. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust the world around me. The only time the headaches would lift, and this is so crazy to to this day, it blows my mind, was when I got into the Word. <laughs> and I'd get into the Word, and I'd go from a nine to a four. And then I could fall asleep. Or then I could function for, you know, however long, and I'd take a break at work. I went from work in Broadway houses to now I'm pouring popcorn at a movie theater because it's literally the only thing I could do. They tried to put me on the drink machine. I couldn't do it because it was small, medium, large, and a vast array of drinks my brain couldn't process. Wow. Somebody would say, I need a popcorn, and I'd have a drink in my hand. I'd go and grab the popcorn and drop the drink. Mm. And after it happened a bunch, they just put me on the popper. And uh, so it's like my confidence went from the special ed kid to, hey, I'm on top of the world. Woohoo! You know? or at least that's what it looked like, and then drop back down. And I was, I was taken low, but this mm. time, this time I was willing to let the Lord rebuild me the way he wanted to rebuild me. And uh, I describe it as a reluctant dating relationship. <laughs> I knew we were in a relationship, but I didn't, I, I really wasn't sure about this commitment. You know? Do you love me, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And I was, my, my answer was, well, we got today, I guess. I don't you know. Um, just, you know, keeping it real there, but uh, I realized every day I could trust him 100%. There was never a moment where he didn't come through. Mm. There was so, and I still had my pride. So, like, there's moments, here's a story. Here's one of those God stories, mm -hmm. right? I love these. So, I'm, I'm on the subway. I'm way behind on my rent because I'm not making the money I made before. I'm about to have to, to make my rent. I don't have anything in my pocket other than my Metro card. You know, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. I've got to pay rent here at the end of this week. Um, I'm on the subway. It's super loud. Loud noises and light and all that stuff were not my friend anymore. Um, so I'm on the subway, and I open the Bible, and I'm reading, and... Right as we come up to the stop, this dude in a suit, because I'm reading, so I'm looking down, and this guy steps up to me, and he's wearing shoes that I don't know the name for, and I'm pretty sure they cost more than my first car. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm like, uh, wow. And he says, this is really odd. Please don't say anything. Just take it. But I know I'm supposed to do this. And he handed me a wad of cash. Never met him, never seen him, never talked to him. It was my rent, enough money for food for the next week, and my Metro card to the dollar. Only the Lord, man. So many moments. When I'm working at the movie theater, another God moment, I get called in, and I'm like, they're going to fire me. Mm. Oh, man, because I'd been dropping stuff. I wasn't as fast as others were. I wasn't communicating well. I'd always have to stop in the middle of a sentence, you know. Um, and at this point, I hadn't started physical therapy and occupational therapy. That happened six months after. Um, and uh, that only lasted so long because of victim services. Mm -hmm. You know, the money runs out at some point. Yeah. So, but I get called into the office, and I think I'm going to get fired. And the lady, the manager, says, I've got something for you. And I was like, okay. And she pulls out an envelope, and she said, the employees love you here. And she said, they know you're having tough times. And they said, we also know you're not talking about where you're at financially 
or what's going on because I wouldn't share unless somebody pulled it out of me because I wasn't proud of where I was and it was an envelope and they just held a collection and that was again another one of those moments where the Lord provided my need before my pride had even been broken enough to say that I had a need mm-hmm. he knew the need and he met me yes again and again and again <laughs> so good mm-hmm. so good so end up moving to Minnesota and that's um I started physical therapy and occupational therapy there and uh, continued my walk with the Lord. And that's where I met my bride. I was working tech theater at a theater at this point. So tech theater, yeah, meaning so was, that yeah, light design, yep. set design. You're not like doing that. lines or anything. You're things not on the stage. Things that did not require memorization. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I started doing those things. And um, this lady comes up, and when I had gone to this place uh, to apply, I walk in the door, and there's an argument happening. And I had driven by it a multi- number of times to drop off my resume. And so driving by again and again and again. And uh, finally got up the guts, and it had been sitting on my my passenger seat for about a week next to a, a Burger King bag or whatever. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, um, I go in, and there's this argument. I'm like, oh. So I go to the receptionist of one of those glass partitions, and like an old type theater, you know, like the old movie theater. And I said, I just wanted to drop this off. And this guy with this crazy white hair comes in and he's like, who's he? <laughs> and like, this character's out of a movie. You don't make up this guy. And his name was Philip Bologna, you know, spelled baloney. Um, just this old, um, not old, but I mean, he'd shoot me if I said that. Wow. Uh, but uh, just an opera singer who was now uh, running a community theater. And said, who's he? And said, uh, I don't know. He just dropped off a resume. He said, what do you do? And I said, well, I can build. I can do sets. I can all that. And he said, do you want a job? And I was like, what? He said, yeah, doesn't pay a lot, but there's an apartment above too. Wow. Um, he said, that's part of the pay. And he's like, you'd have to build and design the sets. And I was like, uh, well, yeah, I'm interested. And he said, come on in. And we had a conversation. He said, when you want to move in? And I was like, what? Now, <laughs> My acting resume, all that, I had stapled underneath, Mm -hmm. but I didn't mention my story, any of that, because I didn't want to. I had, I'd been leveled and I was starting again. Yes. And I didn't want to rely on my, I didn't want sympathy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to earn my way. And so I started working there and the music teacher there comes in and she's getting people to audition for a show and she's looking through all the employees' uh, resumes. She's mine and... I, she ripped off because I had stapled the acting one underneath and she saw my credits and like, you know, there's equity stuff there and you know, lead roles. And she's like, what on earth? And she came and she got, and she's like, you're auditioning for this show. And I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No. And we argued back and forth. And so finally I went and it was Music Man, which we did just this last year. Mm-hmm. And you had done previously. And I'd done previously. Yes. And and uh, so this one was in my, my lexicon. It yes. was in my brain. It was back there in the recesses. So I was thinking, well, maybe I'll get a chorus role and I could actually get back on stage again. And they cast me as Harold Hill. 
and I was scared to death. I was terrified. For those who don't know, Harold Hill is the lead. Okay. He's the music man. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for any of that. There's, it's not going to happen. Um, and so I went back. Uh, you know, you get the call and they say, hey, you're cast as this role. And so I was about to call them back and say, I'm sorry, I can't take the role. And then my boss, Phil Bologna, calls me in and says, so I hear you audition for another theater. I'm like, great, I'm about to get fired. <laughs> um, and I said, I did. And uh, he said, um, I also hear you got cast, which was interesting because I hadn't told anybody, but my soon-to-be sister-in-law had already talked to him. And what I didn't know is Phil was a devout follower of Jesus, mm. loved the Lord. And he said, well, you're not going to be working here. And I was like, oh, I'm fired. And he said, you're going to keep getting paid. We're going to pay you. You're going to take however much time it is to, to memorize this stuff, and you're going to do this show. And when you're done, you come back to us. Apartment's still yours. We're still paying you. And then he, like at this point, I'm weeping. And he says, I'm not sure, but I think the Lord's got a plan for you, and we Amen. want to be a part of it. Yes. And wow. And you were still struggling with memory, but oh. the, the blessing is the music man is something you pretty much knew. It was, you, didn't, you, did, you didn't need to re-memorize it. It came back it came back much quicker. Yes. Like I didn't have to memorize it yeah. from like nothing. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And, um, and two, now there was this, because of the memory uh, issues and the brain damage and things like that, I had no choice but to very much stay in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> because thinking ahead didn't really work. So I it changed my acting style, I guess you could say. I had to trust that it was there. And and this was the entire time at Sight and Sound as well, and it's still the case. Uh, we're working on the Book of Philippians now as a performance for spring, and I'm, I'll be playing Paul. So I've got seven pages of straight scripture to memorize. I'm terrified. <laughs> However, just like every performance and every time the camera turns on and they say action, I just pray, Lord, give me what I need. Yes. Um, more of you, less of me. Mm. And that's it. Mm. And he does every time. And he did for almost 10 years at Sight and Sound. And, you know, it's incredible. Now, you jumped straight to Sight and Sound, oh, but yeah. the Music Man was this, everything worked. You were on. It went well. Okay. I, yeah. And from there, I got a job at the Minneapolis Children's Theater um, the year that we got the Tony for education. A Tony? Like, I mean, that was the Lord going, here, let me pad your resume. Wow. Because <laughs> I just got hired in. Yeah. And I was the educational manager at the time. Uh, and so I got to work with all these amazing teachers and see how they, they taught kids. So I learned a lot working there. And then the lady who played Marion in The Music Man introduced me to her sister, who is now my wife. Yes. And um, <laughs> boy, I like The Music Man a lot. That's a good show. Boy, let me tell you. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, call call Rodney. Guess what his ringtone is. Okay. Yeah. So... So from there, uh, I've met my mm. wife, Melanie, who works here at Family Life yes. as well. And um, we, uh, we got married, had three amazing kids. And uh, she was still in college at the time. She was finishing up school. I was working with a ministry at the time, and we had gone to 
Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and there was a show called The Miracle, which was a passion play, just the life of Christ, um, <laughs> just the life <laughs> of Christ, with flying angels and narrated by the devil, wow. you know, and like a full battle scene, like with people in the air. It was incredible. It hmm. was epic. It was epic. So fun. Um, and I saw this show and I was like, wow, yeah, I'd love to audition there sometime. And so I did. And I got it. And suddenly, I was acting full-time again. I got there, was playing Caiaphas, and the director in the middle of the rehearsal process said, our understudy dropped out um, for Lucifer, which is the lead role. He said, do you, uh, you want to understudy? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I can. And he was like, I, I know you can. That's why I'm asking you. And he said, plus there's a bump in pay. And I said, okay, yes, I can do this. Yeah, sure can. So from there, it was just these little leaps of confidence Mm. only by the Lord giving me exactly what I needed in the moment. Over and over and over again. Yeah. And the quality of the the performances, not this is, there's no boast in this, had changed from when I was an actor focused on my own career and my own persona and how I was perceived to, I get to share the gospel and I'm a part of this story. And boy, it changed. Mm. And um, after three years there, I went, we went to uh, Sight and Sound in Lancaster and um, so blessed there. I got to play Jonah, um, Melek, Aaron in Moses. Melek is Noah's brother. Um, Nicodemus and Jesus, um, like, and those shows all are now on TBN, are on, on streaming platforms and uh, live streams, and like millions and millions of people to have got to to see these shows, and I'm just this kid from Greenfield, Indiana. You know what I mean? Who they put on the small bus, who some may have given up on in the very beginning. He's so good. Yes. He's so good. Wow. It's like he had to take me on a journey. Yes. You know? Um, And I had to sort of get to the end of myself. Because for the longest time, I thought I got mugged because I was drinking, because I wasn't walking like a believer, because of all the consequences of my sin, you know? He just gave me over to those things in hopes that it would bring me back. And he's so gracious, it wasn't even that. It was in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your brokenness, I'm going to save your life. And I'm going to keep it from ending you because I know I've still got a plan for you. That's Amen. what he did. Amen. You know? He's wow. so good, bro. Yes. Now, let me jump back real quick. Mm-hmm. There's a moment of, this is my aha moment, right? So. I'm at the end of five years of migraines, right? And th- th- some of them were brutal. I was just knocked out cold. Like, it, they were awful. And so I'm in front of the toilet throwing up because when they were really bad, cluster migraines, they, they hit and they go away and they hit and yeah. they come back and I'd get nauseous and I'd throw up. And so I'm there, the lights are out because I can't stand the lights. And I'm just crying out to the Lord. It's like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't want to do this anymore. This is... This is too much. And with that, whenever the migraines came, um, specifically when they got really bad, there was a significant amount of PTSD. Um, I heard the things that they said, the sound of the bat hitting the ground Mm -hmm. twice, 
the like all the things. Never understood why the bat hit the ground twice, right? But so here's a moment. I'm in front of the toilet. I've cried out to the Lord, and He gives me this vision. I don't know how to describe it other than it's like a film, and I'm watching myself from a crane shot, you know, where the camera goes up, and I'm me, and I lift out, and I'm watching myself. And they had boot stomped me, cracked me in the head with the bat. Um, one guy picked up the bat again uh, to sort of finish the job to make sure I didn't get up. And then this person, <laughs> angel, whatever you want to call it, appears in the middle of them and reaches out and touched each of them. And the dude dropped the bat the second time. And it lined up with what I'd been hearing for the last five years. And then picked me up this, and it's like this person, this thing, there's no wings. There's none of that fancy Hollywood, wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't fancy. It was just light. Picked me up and carried me and set me down at my apartment, mm -hmm. leaned over and touched my face and said, this will make you stronger. And then, so I'm watching all of this and I go back in and I turn and I see that woman who found me. Um, and But this time as I turn, the angel disappears and she appears. Hmm. And then the whole, you know, and that night, the headaches lifted. Yeah. They were done. Wow. For those that are in that spot right now, in that darkest of their lives, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? Man, if you let him, he'll bring beauty out of the ashes. I promise you. I promise you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Here's the kicker with that, though. Nope. Like, you don't hear this preached a whole lot, um, but this is just what I've found. He will direct your path. But what if the path doesn't go the way that I want it to? Well, if the Lord's directing it, you're going to like the outcome better anyway. And the likelihood is it's going to be for your good, somebody else's good, and it'll be for his glory. Yes. That's like a triple win, man. <laughs> That's a win, win, win. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to The Sunny Side. Family Life is listener supported and your financial gifts make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can partner with Family Life on our website. Just visit familylife.org.